0: Welcome to episode 202 with my guest, Gillian Callahan-Sasha I'm Paul Gilmartin. This is the Mental Illness Happy Hour. Honesty about all the battles in our heads, from medically diagnosed conditions, past traumas, and sexual dysfunction, to everyday compulsive negative thinking. The show's not meant to be a substitute for professional mental counseling. I'm not a therapist. It's not a doctor's office. It's more like a waiting room that doesn't suck. The website for the show is mentalpod.com. Uh, Metalpod is also the Twitter handle you can follow me at. And uh, I should also mention that I have created a YouTube um, channel a while ago, and uh, there are excerpts from the show that we occasionally put up there. And I just put a little three-minute video together. Um, I've always been struck by the how profound the struggle in a sentence surveys are, and um, I put a three-minute piece together that is a text excerpts um, of people describing um, uh, how they, their thoughts and feelings in the wake of experiencing sexual trauma. It's pretty heavy, but um, I think it might bring some comfort to, to those of you who have experienced that and are feeling like you're alone in your thoughts and feelings. Uh, The name of the YouTube channel that that, uh, we have is is Mental Pod, and the name of that video is um, Sexual Trauma Survivors uh, Struggle in a Sentence. I believe that's what it is, or maybe a longer title. (laughs) Um, So yeah, go check out the website uh, as well, mentalpod.com. Um there's all kinds of stuff there, forum and blogs and you can take surveys, you can see how other people responded to surveys, you can support the show. Um or as I like to say, you can just go there, stick your thumb up your ass and go fuck yourself. Which if you can do that is proof that you can multitask and you might be ambidextrous. All right. Uh I want to read an email that I got from a listener who um can't remember how she wants to be referred to, but uh, anyway, she writes, uh, I'm listening to Lena Dunham's memoir, Not That Kind of a Girl, and admits the scandal that Lena sexually abused her sister. I wondered what you thought about it. Upon listening to the parts, uh, I guess she's listening on tape um, or audio God, on tape, Why don't you fucking be a hundred years old, um, upon listening to the parts that have been ex- excerpted, excerpted? And articles, the incidents reminded me of various surveys that you read, ones where you tell people to forgive themselves because they were just kids and were simply curious slash innocent. I don't know if that means it was sexual abuse, but they, uh, but that they should forgive themselves or if they should stop beating themselves up because it's within the scope of normal childhood behavior. And I have not read her book, but I have read some of the excerpts that people um, have been talking about. And so I wrote back and said um, that the excerpts that I've read seem like innocuous child play to me. Children explore each other's bodies. It doesn't sound like it was coming from a place of control or hurt, rather a place of curiosity. Um, I also think that people want to find a reason to crucify her because she pushes boundaries with her TV show. And They hate that she probably doesn't conform to their idea of what a naked woman should look like on TV, and that's probably very threatening to them. Uh, I do occasionally find the nudity in her show to be a little distracting or even gratuitous, but I love her writing, her characters, her chance-taking, and giving voice to a segment of the population that hasn't really ever been given the opportunity or power to present themselves in an uncensored, realistic light. And the fact to me that, that her sister is totally okay with all of this and didn't feel uh, abused is um, probably the final proof that, that to me this feels like a witch trial. But I think only the two of them truly know what the answer is is to that. And um, that's, my, that's my two cents. I want to read this um, email that I got. Uh, I'm going to post this on the website as well. And this is from... Uh, Ellen W, who lives with uh, Tourette's and a specific type, she has. I did not know that there are different types of Tourette's, and hers is called uh, echolalia, and um, and she's going to be writing a couple of things for us on the on the website uh, about this because I th- I just I want to know more about this, and I want all of us to know more about um, what it's like to live with Tourette's because I think it's a really a stigmatized. Uh, thing, and I it, I hate that it's the the brunt of uh, of so many punchlines. Anyway, um, this is a slice in her life. Uh, she writes, my alarm goes off, and as I open my eyes, anxiety raises into my throat. I know what I need to do, but all I want to do is stay in bed. But I have to get or- to work on time, so I drag myself out of bed to steal myself from my ordeal. I have to take a shower. My head is still hazy from sleep as I stumble into the bathroom. I slip off my glasses, thinking about how stupid this all is, and as I set them down on the counter, I realize that I'm speaking "Dum dum 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 dum." I mutter like a mantra, vaguely recognizing that I shouldn't be calling myself that. I start to make a hooting sound, pushing the air out of my lungs, and my shoulders relax. As I step into the shower, all I can think about is how much I hate this cycle that I'm stuck in. I get stressed about taking a shower because I tick in the shower, and I tick in the shower because I'm stressed about it. I try to hurry up, but my hair is thick, and the battle in my head is going strong. I've tried to contain my ticks and swallow them before they leave my mouth, but my hands then start to twitch, and my physical ticks take over to release all of that nervous energy. Not wanting my hand to twitch at the wrong moment, I prefer to let the sound spill from my lips and keep my body As mine, at least for a few moments. Sounds are easier when I'm alone, small hoots and grunts, but my anxiety is bad this morning and I find myself saying, I want to die. I know what this is. It's my mind's reaction to stress. To think that the ultimate solution, uh, to think of that ultimate solution, and I'm aware that this thought is irrational, but the words keep spilling out from my mouth and I am stuck in this curtained bathtub and I still need to rinse the conditioner from my hair. As I finally step out of the bathtub, walking through my cognitive behavioral therapy steps, I'm struck by how heavy this all is. I wipe the foggy mirror off and look at myself through blurred eyes. There's one tick that I know will stop the thoughts, and I don't want to do it, but I watch as my fingers make the shape of a gun. I open my mouth and tap the top of my mouth with my two fingers, uh, pulling my thumb down. I calm down despite how much I hate that motion. I do not want to die, but the spiteful creature in my head that acts up and throws tantrums with my nervous system doesn't seem to know this. I dry myself off, get dressed, and head out the door like nothing happened. I have a life to live that is far bigger than the confines of my bathroom walls.
1: Oh God, I wish I didn't need to take meds.
0: cried like an animal. It makes me so
1: mad at myself that I do that.
0: The burden of perfectionism. And
1: that's when I got to therapy.
0: Let's talk about that. Because so I was like,
1: fuck it, I'm alive. I don't give a shit about
0: anything. You are a shining example of what is best about human beings.
1: I'm worried that the uh, Russian militia is coming over the hill. I know that, uh, but uh, Alice, how you feeling? I'm pretty good. Pretty good.
0: Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm here with Gillian Callahan sasha ray who is a licensed therapist i'm actually a therapist intern oh therapist intern Mm -hmm. okay and you are um you're based in portland And you have a blog called uh, Schrodinger's Cat Box. That's right. Um, We'll we'll get into (laughs) what the name of that uh, is is all about later. But you had been recommended to me by a listener. I think we had read a survey on the podcast or something that had to do with pregnancy loss. And um, it's... In many ways, it's a topic that we're in the dark ages here and at least in our Western culture Mm -hmm. about how to deal with the the grief that women Mm -hmm. go through. And you've experienced it yourself. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And when I approached you. About possibly being a guest, tell me what went through your mind. Because your blog is anonymous,
1: right? Um, I was really excited. I, I, d- I had to kind of think about whether or not I wanted to <clears throat> come out as myself. Um, because as a therapist, um, you you know you, you my, my my primary goal is to take care of people and not ever make them feel like they have to take care of me. And so a lot of times, if people know a lot about you or you know um, they are people keep people care a lot about their therapists and worry about what they're saying and whether it might trigger some them. And I identify myself as a trauma survivor, but I don't really talk about what the the trauma has been. And, um, although, you know, I have had childhood trauma, so I'll sort of identify that and some relationship trauma trauma and kind of, you know, like broad stroke categories. Um, but, and I haven't talked about pregnancy loss with any clients. Um, and, uh, and I've, The blog has been anonymous, which has been very, very liberating. But um, after this last loss, um, the thing that was the most, um, I don't know, striking or powerful or the thing that I came away with it the most was um, just how much we suffer because of the silence around this stuff. Um, And so... Um, I think it's great when we talk about it, but I, I didn't. I didn't want to just talk about it. I wanted to make that a part of my life, talking about it. So this is kind of the beginning it, of that.
0: It was. It was something that I had never really stopped to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe because I'm male. Maybe because I'm numb. Maybe because <laughs> I'm whatever. But when I read your most recent blog post. I got a sense of what it must feel like. Um, it, w- what is the name of the most recent blog post? "Bones Burying the Bones the, Part 2?
1: The closing of the bones. The closing of the yeah, bones. Yeah, and I did it in a two-part just because I <clears throat> I feel sometimes that my blog posts are too long, <laughs> so I split it up. Um, but uh, but the closing of the bones is a is a ceremony that. Um, that I did with a, with a full-spectrum doula in Portland after this last miscarriage.
0: What in the fuck is a full-spectrum doula?
1: <laughs> I am so glad you asked that yeah. question. Uh, a full-spectrum doula, it's kind of a new thing, I guess. I mean, I had never really heard anything about it until this last miscarriage when I came back. And, um, you know, my, my first my first impulse as I'm a therapist, what I know how to do is to go to a therapist. So I, you know, I, I miscarried in Ireland. And um, when I came back and was, you know, starting to kind of figure out what I needed to do to help myself, um, I hooked up with a therapist and, but I gotta tell you, I mean, I've talked about this shit a lot. And... And I say this as a therapist, <laughs> someone who believes in the power <laughs> of talk therapy, but I had talked about it plenty, and that was not what was going to get it. And so I just was kind of randomly looking around for something because it's true. Like in all of the interactions that I've had with medical professionals, no one has ever given me a list of re- resources or support groups or specialist therapy nothing it's like you're a one or a zero and if you're a zero then you're kind of out the door you know pregnancy
0: what do you mean a one or a zero
1: you're you're from the perspective of the medical system you know a pregnancy is a pregnancy and a miscarriage means not a pregnancy anymore and so you sort of cease to exist in this major way and it it's not seen as an event it's it's seen. It's it's something that didn't happen, as a pay, opposed to something that did happen. It's something that failed to happen, um, and so it's just you know they just kind of go, oh, sorry about that. It's really hard, and you know your your follow up appointment, blah, blah blah blah. So they
0: think of it as a lack of something, as opposed to an overwhelming avalanche
1: of fucking of, shit. Of
0: fucking shit. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, and and that was the experience that I had throughout all of the things that I've been through. Um, and I think this miscarriage, it was an unexpected pregnancy. It was one that I felt ambivalent about to begin with. We had just taken in our first foster kiddo. I'm a foster parent. Um, and.
0: How many do you have?
1: Oh, just one. Um, she's our first one. Um, and my husband is a musician and so he's on tour a lot. And so I had been, um, you know, when I found out that I, I basically got pre- pregnant within like two weeks of the kid coming into the house, which is what everybody always says is going to happen. as soon It's as what we're, happened to my mom. Yeah. yeah. It's like the story that everybody tells you. Um, and um, I was overwhelmed. My husband was on a tour and, um, and I, you know, was planning this trip to Ireland, um, which I had been um, trying to get back for like 23 years. And
0: um, is that where your roots are?
1: My family roots, yeah, amongst other places. But I had gone when I was 15 and I had met up with a with a friend that we were going to go back together. And I mean, it was just like its best trip ever. and... Um, and Everybody
0: then, raves about it that goes. I, I don't know of anybody that's gone to Ireland and went, fuck that place.
1: It's a <laughs> don't waste your time. It's a fantastic oh, place. Oh, you'll be it, so
0: tired of the lush green and the friendliness the by the time you get home.
1: Oh, it's such a bore. Yeah. you be
0: longing for rudeness in desert. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Um, And, you know, like I wanted this sort of like, you know, I wanted to go drink my face off all over the country with my old girlfriend from, you know, when we were teenagers. And so, you know, hopefully you
0: weren't planning on going to Drink your face off, pregnant.
1: No, well, no, that's yeah. why I, I was like this trip had been planned, and then I and then I'm knocked up, you know, and I've got this three year old, and I'm overwhelmed with parenting the three year old, and and I'm exhausted all the time, and now I'm sick all the time, and um,
0: morning sickness, morning,
1: morning sickness, and you're crabby. I, I honestly. This pregnancy, I don't know what was different about this one, but I was so much more irritable. Maybe having an attachment-disrupted three-year-old in your house will make you irritable <laughs> regardless. But, um, but I mean, I, I, the, the ir, irritation, like, my hair hurt. Like, I was so fucking irritated all the time. And, and so it was just, it was not good timing. Um, but at the same time, you know, we certainly weren't going to do anything about it we've been we tried for three years before we finally gave up and it was an oops and by the time I left I was um I was happy about it I had settled in you know I bought a Irish baby name book when I was over there and you know talked to it on Irish roads and you know all the romantic stuff you can imagine and um and then uh and then, wow! I just realized that you asked me about full spectrum doula, and I'm I'm like completely in a different location. That's okay. <laughs> I had
0: forgotten. Also, I'll
1: get there. Um, so yeah, so we'd been gone. We'd been there a week, and my my friend that I was traveling with um, is a nurse in London. I she grew up in in Bantry, um, where I met her, and but now she's a, a nurse in London, and so we were traveling together, and. Um, And I started spotting, um, we were way out in the boondocks and, and like an hour away from any hospital. So the next morning we went in and, and, um, and they did the ultrasound and they said that it had been dead for a week. And probably the day that I left, probably the day that I left for Ireland, it had died. And so I had been walking around thinking that I was pregnant and not, I mean, still pregnant, but, um in in ireland and this is this is where it gets really politically fucked um uh because abortion is illegal in ireland they will not do they will not get rid of the fetus even if it's dead they make you wait a week and come back in a week so they told me it was a friday they said um go away see if it passes naturally passes naturally meaning like the dead baby comes out of your vagina (laughs) you know like it's really a great
0: name for a band (laughs)
1: yeah <laughs> they have all this great euphemistic crap that they talk about. those dead babies come yeah. out of your vagina and and go and just see if that happens and they, if-
0: uh, they call it see if the toboggan comes down the hill. <laughs>
1: Something like that, and the Irish people in general are pretty freaked out by like vaginas, and you know. Um, but they—that
0: uh, was the worst Irish accent I could have ever. I, do heard. Notice I think I it was kind of, kind of Scottish. Kind of, it was really no place. You'll
1: note that I did yeah. not actually yeah. pick it up at all. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I digress.
0: I digress.
1: Um. Yeah. So so they they said to go away and see if it happened naturally, and if not, that I could come back in a week and um. And so I had this horrible choice to make if I wanted to stay on my, vac- my vacation, like because it's going to be vacation now, you know, waiting for to pass a dead fetus somewhere in the middle of fucking nowhere or in a pub or, you know, wherever, um, or fly home. And all of my medical people back home and all of the medical people there and my girlfriend who's a nurse were saying you can't get on a plane because if it starts to happen while you're in the air, you could hemorrhage and die. So it was wander around the country waiting for a dead baby to come out or um, bleed out over the Atlantic.
0: (laughs) And you have an attachment disordered foster
1: kiddo at home. And this, you know, and I've just lost a baby and the vacation I've been planning for 20 years. And I mean, it was a bad bad knew
0: Your hair hurting would be the best thing you had going on. (laughs)
1: I know and oh god and I remember I was sitting they get, they were actually they were so un- incredibly kind to us actually in the hospital they were just loving and 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 and, the, and far more personal and intimate with kindness than, than any medical professional I've ever encountered in the States. Like every, all of the the nurses came and gave me hugs. Like there was this older nurse who just came and like sat with me and rubbed my back and just really kind, profoundly everybody that I talked to made a point of putting a hand on me or, you know,
0: this is in Ireland, mm-hmm. which, which city were you in, in
1: Limerick in the maternity hospital mm. in Limerick. Um, they had, and they had given me, um, and it's, you know, it's, it's, um, hospitals are, are, hospitals there feel more like emergency rooms here it's just like it's a lot of bustle there's not a lot of privacy and there's just pregnant women everywhere and they gave us a private little waiting room um which was a blessing and um and i was just sitting there just kind of dazed and dead and trying to figure out what to do and um and i'm looking out this window and there's um it was like the, the smoking area where, and, and all the mothers who were in, like, uh, in the middle of labor, but like waiting for the next contraction. They're they're in their gowns; these gigantically pregnant women in their gowns on their cell phones, walking back and forth, smoking cigarette after cigarette. And I'm watching this, going, "Wow, that did, that doesn't bother that, you know, like <laughs> that that's working out for you, and yet I can't carry." you know like
0: what did you give tell me the moment that, that they said the baby is not alive and it's been in you for a week mm-hmm. what do you think or feel in that moment
1: um well it wasn't the first time it had happened and so it was there how many, was how
0: many times has it happened before
1: um that that has happened once before i've had 3 what's called chemical miscarriages which is like um it starts to implant and then kind of it's also called blighted ovum it sort of like starts to implant and then stops for whatever reason and um and then i've had two miscarriages that are almost at um like right about to be second trimester and so um so yeah i mean i think i was um there was part of me that that was just sort of waiting to hear that because i never um you know, I think after all that we've been through, excuse me, hope is um, kind of toxic. And so you you, t- you tend to protect yourself from it a lot. And so there was part of me that was already sort of prepped to hear that. And I had had that night, you know, the night before I had started spotting and we had called the hospital and they'd said, come in in the morning. And I didn't sleep, you know, obviously. So you
0: felt like you were you were prepared, like it wasn't a it wasn't a surprise.
1: Um. Yes and no. I mean, yes, it was a surprise, but there's, it's like this horrible core of, of, of just bitter, uh, pessimistic, like, oh, of course, you know, I knew that. Um, And at the same time, just, you know, you're just internally, you're just screaming, no, 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 no. And why, you know, I lay there. Just saying why, why, and of course, they can't tell you, no one can tell you um, and um and I think I felt um, I mean, you die, you die, and there and this thing inside of you is now that what was um hope and dreaming and life and future and plans and and it's just dead now. And your whole body rejects that knowledge but knows it at the same time at this weird cellular level. Um, and um, and and then it was just all kind of the the work of trying to figure out what the fuck to do now, you know, and um, trying to figure out if I could change the ticket and blah, 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 all this stuff, figuring out where we were going to stay. Um, and I kind of went in and out of this, like, um, I kept telling myself, um, something like, I don't even know if I still have the words, but it was something like, um, it, it, this is just what happened. This is just what, like, like I was trying to give myself a mantra to tell myself in the weeks to come when I, when, when it, when the reality hit and I was f- feeling lost, um, like, it's just what happened. You can't, um. You know, you can't be mad about it it. personally. It's just what happened, which is, you know, that only works sometimes because sometimes you take it fucking personally as hell and want to scream and yell and rage and, (laughs) you know,
0: and and disappointment and sadness have nothing to do with logic.
1: No, not a shred. And it's annoying
0: when people, you know, I would imagine there's a list of things that people say to someone who miscarried. That just makes them feel oh worse. My God. Like, like you'll, you you'll have another one.
1: Oh God! At least you can get pregnant. That's my favorite one. At least you know you can get pregnant. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me?
0: <laughs> There's a whole actually one of my. What is it about about that one that bothers you?
1: Um. Well, God, it's like uh, you you just lost your leg. Well, at least you had a knee one time. <laughs> you know, like. That's that's super not helpful. Yeah, I know I can get pregnant, and I can't stay pregnant. And now, and the, and the, and the fucking baby died. <laughs> like, and I think that that's the part that has been different in this go around. And this maybe I'll kind of meander my way back to your original question a year ago. Um, I think that's what was different for me this time with the with the help that I got was the first time that I. Had actually been allowed to think about it like a baby, and not just a, a one or a zero or something that didn't happen, as opposed to something that did. So I was um,
0: because, in a sense, you were doing that already. Your just your intellect was telling you, "This is just something that happened."
1: Yes, right, right, and and that's yeah. The I message mean, correct that me if I'm get. wrong. No, but that's, that's totally right. That's okay. t- right, and that's the message that you get from everywhere and everything, you know. And um, chin
0: up, move on, try yeah. again,
1: buck up. Which is several letters of the alphabet away from what you really <laughs> feel like, instead, um, and uh, and so, and and you don't, you know, there, there's there's noth- there's nothing in the experience that you have, and even like you're not supposed to tell until twelve weeks, right? Just and this case. was at eleven weeks. Uh, it was at ten weeks. Ten weeks. It was, but it had died at nine weeks, and I was at ten weeks, um, and uh, you know, you're not supposed to to tell anyone until 12 weeks, because then if you lose it, then it's shameful or something. And this time we actually did announce it earlier than, than you're supposed to, um, because we were like, you know, uh, frankly, w- w- neither of us were going to feel like this was going to be a healthy full-term pregnancy until it was actually coming out of me, you know? So we, we were like, we're not going to feel safe about it ever. So we might as well just get the joy out of, out of you know celebrating it while it's here right
0: did you regret that then
1: no i didn't actually i thought that i would but i didn't because what happened was that the previous one i hadn't told anybody and so nobody knew that i had miscarried i mean some people like my my family and my closest friends knew but you know like this time we made the facebook announcement and all that stuff and and so when when you know, when I was going through hell in Ireland, people knew that I had been pregnant. And so they knew and I was talking about it, what was happening. And so this massive, massive wave of support, people that I knew, people that I didn't know, Talking about you know people that I knew asking for prayers and thoughts on their pages and so I mean just like this huge outpouring of love and support and trying making sure that I got home safely I had a layover in Chicago and you know I had people like calling their relatives in Chicago and standing by just in case I you know needed anything or something terrible had happened on the Atlantic flight and you know it was um, talking talking about it really good yeah talking about it is always the better option frankly (laughs) (laughs) you know like
0: I think that that's just... you should go into a profession like that
1: <laughs> I know right <laughs> um but so so anyway so I so I get home after this incredible experience of awfulness and um and I was looking for something more than just talking about it because I it was um I just was I was more grounded but I was also more fed up and done with being sad um And so I, uh, I just started searching around and and the the real pisser is that when you're looking for services, support groups or mental health or anything, there's almost nothing that's not um, through either OB or birth services, where like either, you know, whether you're online or in an office, you're having to either literally or virtually walk past a shit ton of pregnant women you know and that's re-traumatizing or it's through infertility services where it's like okay you know when are you going to get back up on the horse right so there's no grief place that's just that like just miscarriage just loss and what just happened um it's bookended one way or the other um and i was getting more and more pissed off about that and um and i don't even remember i i i I wish I, I wish I knew what the magical, you know, the the Google magic was that that finally got got me, um, this this uh, full spectrum doula website. So full spectrum doula. Uh, doulas are it's a kind of a new movement in- I had to
0: go into in the emergency one, uh, room one time and have one of those taken out it accidentally <laughs> slipped up inside me and I said I was gardening and I accidentally sat on a full spectrum doula and they said a lot of people that happens we understand but they knew you were lying yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh Yeah, no. So do you know what a doula is? I have no idea. Okay, let's start there. So a doula is... Um, it's got six
0: strings, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you just made me snort. That's funny. Um, a doula is a midwife plus, like, um uh, you know kind of a more holistic um, traditional approach to midwifery and childbirth so you know staying with the case afterwards and doing you know stuff with the kid and with the it's just more like it's not just like when you're giving birth and then you're done it's just a
0: lot it of sounds other like stuff. A, a, a lot more kind of emotional spiritual support
1: right right and um, and so and full spectrum doulas um, are focusing on um service providing service and attending whatever the pregnancy outcome so abortion miscarriage giving up for adoption whatever it is the idea being that a pregnancy is a pregnancy is a pregnancy and you fucking deserve
0: support
1: <laughs> to be supported re- regardless of what happens um and the the woman that I ended up connecting with her name is Samantha Zapora she's awesome she's in portland um and um and it ended up it ended up being so much more of what i needed um, it ended up being this incredibly powerful f- very physical um grief release that i had never gotten to have before um, and the the closing of the bones is the ritual that um the Samantha's um mentor Bernadette is a woman that was a, a doula in Mexico for many many years, and um, and this is a ritual that is done regardless of pregnancy outcome, and with the idea that there's um, I can't remember what the Spanish is for it. I feel like an asshole because I can't remember, but um, the idea is that you know pregnancy just you're you're you've been opened up completely by a pregnancy, and the idea is to sort of close close back up and put yourself kind of back together and the the process is um they they wrap you in in shawls kind of up starting with your head and working all the way down and it's tight tight it's kind of uncomfortable but um and uh i don't know i, <laughs> I i'm i'm not a real woo woo person and so this was not where i would have imagine myself being directed to
0: did you find yourself getting being a little skeptical or kind of feel a little silly at any um, point or did, were you just like uh i'm just fucking i'm just going with it
1: the latter yeah i think I, I it feels i feel a little bit weird trying to describe it now like kind of in more in my my skeptics mind but at the time you know she samantha started talking about it and i was like fuck it sure whatever whatever you think i should do i'll do it because i hurt a lot <laughs> and um
0: and, and before we get, before you go further, I want you to to talk about the emotional state that you were in mm-hmm. in those weeks. How mm-hmm. many weeks did it take before you started doing the, the, what um, is it called, a ceremony?
1: I guess so, yeah. Um,
0: how many, how many? I
1: think I had been home, I'd been home at least two or three weeks.
0: Okay. And, and talk, talk about, I'm sure you have a mean part in your brain mm-hmm. that you was t- that was talking to you. <laughs> what was it saying to you
1: after the just sort of in about the ceremony or just no in before general?
0: before you got put in contact um, with them
1: uh, well um the mean part of your brain is is um very uh you know I I was listening to the to the woman who you had on today and she talked about this as well um Cheryl Klein mm-hmm. yeah yeah and she, oh, so many things that she was saying I was like oh yeah totally um but you do belie- you, you sort of develop this belief at this weird cellular level that is almost impossible to reach through logic that um that that it, if you were a good person you would you would wow. be able to have a baby. And and I, you know, and I um I thought about this a lot over the course of all of the infertility treatments that we did and after every one of them failed, you know, you um you you just um it's like all of the worst voices in your head. It's a confirmation. It's like, see, you know.
0: The universe is protecting you from being a shitty parent. Or, I mean, so maybe or, what, what
1: I, I think it's more body, bodily than that. It's more um, embodied. Like, um, you know, I mean, I, 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 a big part of it for me was, um, I don't know, I... I, I i i was thinking about this today and kind of trying to encapsulate what what this was about for me and i think um i have to kind of go back to <clears throat> a, a snapshot of childhood i was um um
0: yeah you listen to the podcast i
1: do i was a snapshot i was thinking i was walking today in the canyon going snapshot snapshot and i've got my snapshot um and uh um i was you know i grew up in a really violent, scary household with a lot of mental illness and a lot of instability. And, um, you know, you and your guests have talked a lot about what that does to self-esteem when you're a kid. And... um, The self-blame. The self-blame and the just, like, just feeling... like you're just kind of wrong and rotted and corrupted yeah. somehow. Beyond, inside.
0: I did something wrong. I am wrong. Am wrong,
1: wrong right? Yeah. And I was thinking about there were these. There were these. Um, you know, I was I was a wildly unpopular kid and was funny looking. And I actually I saw a picture. My aunt had a picture that I was looking at. I looked like a like a little miniature red-headed Jimmy Durrani. Like I was really like that objectively awesome. weird looking, like not even <laughs> just like I felt like weird. I was objectively a weird looking kid. I had like safety orange hair and giant ears and this gap in my teeth. And I was just a very weird I'm looking sure kid. I'm sure you
0: loved Mad Magazine.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I looked like. Yeah. Oh
0: my God. Um,
1: yeah. And with the freckles and, um, and so, and, you know, and we were poor and, and my house was scary, and I had like I remember that I I chewed my nails, and so my my fingers were all bitten to shit all the time, and dirty fingernails and bleeding, and and there were these um there were these girls uh, they were tw- they were these twins in my grade. And this was kind of before a lot of the lines got drawn, where like where you know there was still some effort to sort of invite the. People that you didn't like to your birthday party kind of stuff, like it was maybe yeah. like second third grade, and um and these girls, my God, they were twins, and they they were just gorgeous, like beautiful porcelain skin and you know, blue eyes with long eyelashes and blonde hair, and they were just lovely. They One of them more exclusively lavender and one of them more exclusively pink so that you could tell them apart, and and they were um, really wealthy, and I, I got invited for whatever reason, God knows why, but I got in- invited to a sleepover over there, and, and I remember, like, it was a two-story house, but it was, like, the the center part of it the um was like all the way up to the second story and the christmas tree went all the way up it was during christmas and they had like playrooms they i think they might have each had their own playrooms i don't know that might have just been my recollection of it and their parents were kind and gentle and not scary and um and everything was just lovely just sort of glow of safety and calm and and i and i i it, it freaked me the hell out <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: I remember i i called i i knew that i was out of place i knew that i was wrong i knew that it was just not it was like I was this weird little like orc child at you know in like elf Kingdom, you know it was like, like it
0: was your debutante as a as a frog <laughs> exactly
1: exactly
0: <laughs> you came down the spiral staircase and everybody booed
1: like, no i don't I don't remember anyone else having a bad reaction to me, I just yeah. remember feeling like. Um, just so lost and, and gnarled up yeah. inside. Yeah,
0: that's what I mean, is, yeah. is internally, internally that, that, just exactly. the picturing of when is this going to break? Exactly. Because there, There's no way I can keep up this front. That no. They're going to discover that I'm not any of these things.
1: Yes, absolutely. And in fact, I faked a stomach ache and called my mom and had her come pick. I, I couldn't hang like I couldn't even handle all of the nice, you know, I had to go back to where everything was scary and impoverished and you know yeah. unstable, like that made sense. Mom, like, <laughs>
0: pick me up. I got to get punched.
1: <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> this is, you know, like this is really nice this. here. I got to go, Uh and and I, you know, I think I think about that so often with the with the infertility. It's like you know, there's part of you that no matter what you do, just still believes. You know, like if I were. You know, I think about these beautiful porcelain girls, and they have babies, and you know, and it's not—it's not even logical. It's not even like adult brain. But in your brain, you just think that's
0: how the the hand was dealt.
1: Well, and and that and that, if I were a real girl, if I were a loved girl, if I were a clean girl, if I, you know, like all these things that you that you determined about yourself that are wrong and rotted and corrupted and, and because it's inside of your body you know like all of those feelings that you carry kind of in your what quote unquote gut right mm. that's what we're talking about it's your gut it's like where all of that lives and so at this very deep on irrational level it's like that's rotted and corrupt mm. and, and nothing nothing can grow there because it's because it's barren, you know, like the word barren, the mm-hmm. biblical and how is the baby
0: going to grow in your stomach right right, because exactly. babies come out of your stomach
1: because babies come <laughs> the, the stork has given that's you right. the finger, you know, um so I think you know in in the in those weeks, you know, I struggled with that, and because that's what I always struggle did you with you
0: feel like you were regressing and and kind of becoming that that little girl, or just all those feelings were coming back had they had they gone away for they had to have gone away yeah, for a while.
1: For a while, yeah, cuz we had we had decided to stop fertility treatments and we had um moved on and gone on with foster care certification and um you know, I I think um yeah, I mean they do. They go they go away. They don't always go, completely go away ever right. ever ever, but yeah, I mean in terms of of, of sort of, you know, front brain um, consciousness, yeah. They think that they went away, um, and and then you know, and then they come back every time.
0: Okay, I just wanted kind of an emotional picture of where you were at before you did the right, the, the, the right, ceremony.
1: Right. Well, yeah, and, and and in addition to all of that, there's also um, this incredible rage and bitterness, and that that I think was probably for, further to the fore in this time, um, and. Um, because you know
0: and, you, and then did you feel bad for feeling bitter on top of it or were you just like it's okay to be at some it's points, okay to be bitter?
1: I, I think maybe when i was a newbie at all of this bullshit i might have felt like that but at this point it's like you know there's nothing you can really do about it and you're you might as well you're feeling. you're feeling what you're feeling and you just try to um <laughs> try to spray as little of it around as possible um
0: I, I i love the genius of the brain when it decides to attack you is it will not only give you negative feelings but then it will tell you to blame yourself for having the negative <laughs> yeah, feeling it's yeah. like I'm, I'm gonna punch you in the face and i'm gonna swing around the block come back <laughs> and hit you with my other hand <laughs>
1: exactly yeah uh-huh yeah i i think I, I i escaped that to a certain degree this time just because i've been through this is not my first time at the miscarriage rodeo Um, so but it was there for sure and I think um, I think uh, this time it was it was kind of more focused on on a a, you know I'm a I'm a old-time activist and so I was getting a lot into the sort of political ramifications of why we don't support women and um, you know thinking a lot about The way that the medical system deals with women's bodies and, and, you know, either mattering or not mattering. And, you know, my uh, my my rage was very focused into intellectual thoughts and, and, um, you know, acting. Action. (laughs) It's all about action. Gonna change this system. Yeah, exactly. Um, And um, and Samantha was really open to that because she, you know, has been been in the business and knows that that's true. So she was very tolerant of my, you know, like fist waving and stuff. but you know, and she kind of kept saying, "Okay, but what do you what do you need? What do you need?" And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, "How about if shit does not suck anymore? Like that would be really nice. <laughs> That's what I need." Um, and um, and then she she started to talk about this ceremony. Um, do you do you want me to describe the ceremony, or sure. should I get to that way? Okay. Um, Unless
0: you feel there, I mean, I'd like to kind of go chronologically right. in terms of the, um emotional mm-hmm. you know the emotional arc of so if there's anything along the the way i just kind of want to know what you emotionally went through from from mm-hmm. start to finish so if mm-hmm. we're skipping anything like just kind of fill life fill us in on that <laughs> well if there's anything that goes back to like the birthday party yeah. or the sleepover
1: uh-huh.
0: feel free to track back and because i love when stuff relates to Buried stuff from childhood because yeah. that's the, that's the stuff that fascinates me the most. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, and there's so much of that with this because it is so. Um, it, it is you, first of all, it's there's no helplessness like this kind of uh, that I have experienced, and I've experienced some pretty significant helplessness, but this like can't do this thing that you're supposed to be able to do thing
0: and, you, and and something too i think about the fact that a baby comes from your core
1: right it exactly. comes from
0: the center of exactly of who you are
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know it's not like oh i got a bad elbow and yeah it's gonna look funny and mm-hmm. people are gonna it's like it's way this inside is at the of your body center, this is the <clears throat> essence of what makes me the female right in your mind
1: right well yeah and i and i think you deal a lot you know i have i've struggled a lot with the whole like i'm not a real woman thing you know like if i was which you know and i logically intellectually reject out of hand um because i don't think there is such a thing as a real woman or a real man or, or people but um but i you know there is this really profound like uh alienation, you know, like literal, like I feel like an alien kind of like you walk around and you see people with their babies and you're like, I have four heads and tentacles and I can't do that thing that you just did, you know, um, and did I don't you, know you why.
0: Did you feel like those those ladies in olden times that had to go to the outskirts of city and sit on the rags when they had their period?
1: <laughs> well,
0: There's a self-esteem builder. Exactly.
1: <laughs> and so sanitary too yeah. um Yeah, I mean, no, actually, no, now that you mention that, no, because that is something that I share with women. That's not alienating. This is something that's, that's alienating, like,
0: I suppose, because they all went did it together.
1: Well, and that's something that we we all, you know, like, most of us do. Most of us have periods, and most of us talk about it and bitch about it. And, you know, like, that's something that that women kind of can be open about with each other. And that's an experience that I have had that other women have had. And, and then this is not like I, you know,
0: I suppose because that's separating, but it's not isolating, whereas your experience was purely, yeah. purely, like, purely not I'm not, a, I'm not a,
1: even on the outskirts of town on the rag. I'm just like, I'm the Ford, Ford prefect. I've just stumbled in, you know, like I don't even belong to the same species, you know and you feel like that even though you know that it's ridiculous. But well, that's what it feels like. Did
0: you feel like your husband looked at you differently? Or did, um, how, how did that like did, it, question. did it change your relationship to him and how, how did how did he kind of react? I mean, I can't imagine that you would have married a guy that wasn't supportive <laughs> and he was a musician, musician, so I'm sure he's a sensitive guy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> I don't think that he I don't think that he has ever seen me differently. I think the one the one struggle that we've had and I think it's one that most heterosexual couples have or even, you know, when I was listening to Cheryl today, the the whoever the person is that did not have the baby in their body has a really hard time understanding what that felt like and understanding um what's going on for you now that it's gone. Um <clears throat> and you know, my husband and I process things really differently and so You know, he wanted it to kind of have happened and move on from and you can't, you know, like it's still happening, you know, it's still happening for weeks afterwards. It's trauma. It's trauma. It's postpartum, you know, like nobody ever, Cheryl said today, nobody ever told you, told me that, that it's it's postpartum because there's been a partum that is now post, you know, (laughs) like, Mm -hmm. um, And so that all was going on and, and David was having a hard time, um, you know, in his mind, he was like, I don't want to sit around and talk about it. And I was like, I don't really particularly want to fucking talk about it either, but it's still happening, you know, like I'm actively miscarrying still. Um, and so it can't have happened. It is happening still, um.
0: Is that because the baby was still in you at that point or because you were still in the process of grief and well, going through all that um, stuff?
1: I had a DNC. So DNC is a, a – uh, I can't remember the, the the words. Basically, they suck it out. It's what they do in an abortion and they go in and they, they scrape it out of you. Um, and so there was bleeding after that, um, but your hormones are still – Fucked, you know your your body thinks it's pregnant for a long time after it's not anymore. Are you
0: still getting morning sickness at that point? Um,
1: no, I wasn't getting morning sickness, but like your your boobs hurt and your you know your uterus is kind of shrinking and your your hormones are just going nuts. So, um, you know, my face broke out and um you know my um even like um when when you're pregnant you're there's a particular hormone that that softens all of your ligaments and so, so your hips can widen. That's exactly right. And so when I was pregnant, I ha- I have a lot of lower back pain that had basically gone away because of, you know, like, and I hadn't even really noticed it had gone away until I was, you know, woke up with a certain pain and went, oh, shit, I haven't had that in a while. That's because this hormone is now leaving my body and, mm-hmm. you know, my ligaments are tightening up again. So it's like just such literally cellular stuff that's happening that that is impossible to describe to somebody that it's not happening to,
0: and and almost on a certain level, it's probably too strong of a word, but mocking you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, you're getting all the shit that you could go. Well, at least I, right, you know, suffered through all of this for this beautiful child who's right. in my arms, right,
1: right. And there's no baby in your arms, right? It's um, that's a good way of putting it. Um. So, yeah, so we, you know, we struggled with that for a few days. And of course, you know, um, there's three year old in the house, and (laughs) you can't really like fall apart completely. Um, But we, you know, we went through a couple of days of of, um, not communicating very well. And then we just kind of figured it out. And I think, um, you know, I, I finally kind of, Just put all my cards on the table and was like, look, you know, when you lose a baby, you feel like less of a woman. And the way that that translates is that you, you know, as a a woman, you think, well, my, you know, my partner must not want me anymore. You know, like you feel like a discarded, like you're not and and it's no
0: matter what they're doing or saying or because you weren't getting the, the support that I don't you know. wanted.
1: I don't know. I mean, I know that it was definitely there was a conflict of how we were dealing with it. Um, and, you know, m- my husband wanted to kind of, you know, move, move on in a regimented and kind of. Um, uh no, not very acknowledging way which is just how it felt safe for him to do and that was not what was working for me because it was still happening did to you me. have anger
0: at him for for that
1: yeah i think i did i think no. i had some anger um, do, you, do
0: you still have any
1: hmm i gotta poke some things to find out no i don't think i do okay. he did the best he could um and so did i um but uh but you know and 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 there and when you're pregnant, you know your your partner is very solicitous of you, and the world is, you know, like oh, you know, don't lift that, or you know, yeah, like
0: come get that. Every yeah.
1: everyone takes really good care of you, and and then all of a sudden they don't anymore and it's not because people consciously go oh well that's a piece of discarded shit i'm not going to pay attention to her anymore and but lo- that that's just how it is and a know? lot of
0: them probably think oh i don't want a reminder of it so i'm not going to talk about it i'm uh-huh. not going to ask her how she's
1: right right
0: doing and then you get those people that say the the you know you'll have another one uh-huh. you know the things. Yeah. it's what should someone do when they have a Somebody in their life that that miscarries what do, how should they approach them what what should they say if they're if they're you know if they have a fairly close relationship um or not
1: well i don't know i mean I think that what what i what i wanted i mean i don't know that I can say you know what you should say or not say, but I know what I wanted was to to be um, to to grieve together. You know, that's what I wanted from my partner, from the people around me. Um, And for the most part, most of the people in my life were really good at just being like, you know, allowing it to fucking suck. You know, I think that that's the mistake that most people make in any grieving or trauma situation. It's uncomfortable to sit with somebody who's in so much pain. And so we really want to. Give them something, you know, like make it better, like this ray of sunshine or silver lining. And and that sucks. Because then it makes you feel ungrateful. It makes you feel ungrateful. It makes you feel isolated and alone. It makes you feel crazy. Cynical. Cynical, you know.
0: Is it a good suggestion for somebody to just come up and say, I just want to give you a hug and remind you that I love you?
1: Yeah, that sounds great. And just hold them? Mm -hmm. That sounds great. Bring the Kleenex to hang out
0: can we go somewhere and if you feel like it have a good cry together
1: yeah totally i had um um some women in my life got together and without me knowing um they and from like all different parts of the country too like these women just kind of got got themselves organized together and put together this massive huge basket um full of like like um like fluffy towels and smelly soap and wine bottles and gift cards to spa things. And, um and, and I, and then one of the girls who lives in Portland came and dropped it on my porch and then ran away and then like Facebook messaged me saying, look on your front porch and i and it's like 10 o'clock at night and and i open the door and i just immediately start bawling like oh my god like so grateful and so loved you know like um
0: like they see my pain
1: yeah and 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 then it mattered you know i mean so much about having a miscarriage leads you to believe that nothing matters you know um and um and so that was really awesome and and, and, you know people who just who who just were like oh oh, oh, god fuck (laughs) you know (laughs) like sometimes that is the best possible way like that just sucks so bad um and and that's all like because then
0: they're not trying to fix you they're just feeling you
1: right exactly there's a big difference between empathy and sympathy and and, um, and sympathy is very, you know, it, I feel like when you're in that state, you, you're allergic to it. It's like, Oh God, you know, like Cause it's, it almost you
0: condi- it's almost condescending on a yeah. certain level.
1: Yeah. And it just makes you feel really alone. And like, you can't, like you, like, like it's like you're inconveniencing people with your grief, you know, like, um, like, um. Like you should like you should be smaller somehow in it because you're upsetting somebody they have to fix you you know um
0: it almost, it almost feels like a, like a parent child relationship, you know yeah. what I mean when somebody's kind of doing that, and you're like, i don't want to feel like a child mm-hmm, i'm an adult but i'm mm-hmm. but i'm but i'm yeah. hurting i think I think we just have a natural fear of being pitied mm-hmm. and you know you talk to people who've lost limbs or mm-hmm. have some type of physical struggle and they fucking hate it when yeah. somebody comes up and is patronizing like you know you're a real inspiration to mm-hmm. me and i'm mm-hmm. i know that that person's coming from a well-meaning place um or maybe that's a good thing maybe they enjoy hearing that but i know there are things that they don't enjoy yeah hearing mm-hmm. because it feels kind of Pat- yeah patronizing
1: yeah and i think it i think it really has to do it's it's the thing the thing that feels patronizing and the thing that i feel allergic to is when it's very obvious that um that it that my grief is so uncomfortable for somebody that they they have to give me a nice thing instead mm-hmm. of the grief you know instead of just letting it be because there's not because I can't make it go away. You can't make it go away. You know, I I couldn't make the baby stay alive, and nobody else could either. So, so that it just is. It just that's what happened. You know, <laughs> like my mantra that I had, um, and um, and anything else is just very um, it's distancing and alienating and isolating and crazy making. Hmm. Um,
0: but that was okay, and you enjoyed the fact that they put that that basket on your, oh, on your yeah, porch yeah you, you enjoyed were, that and you felt like you felt seen
1: yeah yeah okay. and i felt um and I, it's funny and i had like i had done some facebook post about like things i want after a miscarriage you know like like lots of hugs and people, you know, people who will let me be sad and maybe a massage. And, uh, you know, like, I don't even remember all the, like people who are not gigantically pregnant. If I could just have a break from that for a little (laughs) bit, like, you know, uh, and and, and I, I think there was, there was a couple of things on there that were in the basket and they had actually already started this process before I had ever posted that and so it was like oh, you did actually read my mind and put together this amazing thing that was everything that I that I asked for um, and uh,
0: and so it would be inappropriate to put a plastic baby in a basket and put that on your front porch, right? <laughs> yeah. so, will this suffice? <laughs> that would be inappropriate.
1: But like one of those creepy, yeah. like, like dolls, like life-size dolls or like the ones. Okay. Yeah, no, nothing like that. Okay. Let's not have
0: that. I'm just checking. <laughs> okay. So what's the next, the next Mm-mm. thing you, you, so you went to see Samantha.
1: So I went to see Samantha and she.
0: Um, are we skipping over anything?
1: Um, no, I don't think so. I feel like I mean, we got a good was, picture where you are. It was a lot of, it was a lot of, you know. Yeah, I think I think that's a pretty good picture of where I was. Okay. Um so um so she suggests this ritual and I say, "Okay, well, that sounds woo-woo, but what the f ever?" and um and so she had me come to her house, which in itself was a little bit weird for me because I'm a therapist and we kind of don't do that. Um but uh but this woman Bernadette was there and I'm, I'm sad to say that I don't actually know her last name and I'm not sure that I, if I ever knew her last name, Bernadette's, she does, like, she doesn't like, um, she's this little, she's this little hobbity earth spirit person who like doesn't really take money. And, um, I think Samantha's finally convinced her that she needs to have some kind of web presence and like, you know, mm-hmm. she just does it cause it's what she does, you know? And, um, it's
0: so clear from the post that you wrote that this is a woman who's who was born to do this.
1: Yes, absolutely. This is what she does, um, and and it was um, and she did a lot of body work on me, and um, and and it and that in itself was wonderful to be sort of t- physically taken care of like that and touched. Yeah, and she's a teeny tiny woman, and you know, just like lifting me. She's t- like ridiculous like ant strong you know (laughs) this tiny person like hugely strong um and and you know at one point after the massage was over um I think um, I I there had been a, a spot on my foot that was really really painful and I was asking her like why do you think that that was there P- the painful like that and she said um, I don't I don't think you're aware of how much your body is holding right now and how how fiercely your body is m- m- hanging on and being like. You're forcing yourself to be all right right now, and you're hanging on to a lot of pain. And I started to cry and told her what had happened um, with this.
0: Had she not known what had happened? No,
1: no. Um, Samantha hadn't really told her. Um, I mean, she knew that I had miscarried. Um, But when I told her about Ireland and the bullshit, abortion shit, and, you know, um, she started to cry. And she said, um, she said, no sane people would ever do this to their women no sane culture would ever allow their women to suffer this way and make and uh, alone um and um and that was so powerful to me um because it was so it was like oh yeah no this shit is not right it's not okay it's not okay that this is what i have been through and the way it's been done um
0: when I read that phrase in your blog, I was like yes yeah and it and then I felt a little ashamed that it had never occurred to me
1: well i've you know forgive yourself because it had never occurred to me either, you know, like even in all of my rage and and bitterness, it had never was like, Oh, this is just the way it is, but but that it's not sane. It's not right. Like it's not. Who the Who the fuck does that to people? And, and we don't.
0: And we don't do that for our soldiers coming home either.
1: Mm-hmm, exactly. And, and they
0: are two of the traumas that are at the center of our
1: humanity. F-
0: our humanity, our femininity, and mm-hmm. our masculinity.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And
0: and we have no ritual to let go of yeah. that pain.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So go ahead. Um. Uh. Yeah. So. Um, So, so uh, she started crying. She uh, she She started, I, she's, uh, she's crying, I was crying, we're crying. And, um, and then Samantha came in and, and they started to prepare the ceremony. They, they, they're these long, beautiful, hand woven, um, like long rectangular scarves. And they put one under your, your shoulders and one under your hips. And, um, and they're sort of prepping this. And, and Bernadette said, um, something like, are you ready? Are you ready to, to let go. And, um, and I was not I suddenly realized that I was not and that was a surprise. I didn't know because you're, you're thinking about it in terms of like, okay, no, I'm ready to do this because I hurt and I would like to not hurt anymore. But all of a sudden, it felt like I was being asked to let go of my baby. And, it, and, and I was kind of shocked by the fiercity of emotion that came like no 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 I'm not I'm not don't make me um and I started to cry like like you know the 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 kind that is like vomiting you, you know were you
0: were you crying from your butthole that's when you know <laughs> so,
1: yeah, that's when I you know you when you feel your
0: butthole flare a little bit that's when you know yeah. you're actually
1: i think i was crying from my vagina i yeah. <laughs> like in this particular situation it was not even my butthole it's my actual yeah. like uterus um and uh and and she and oh, god this is so amazingly powerful and I can still physically feel what it felt like. She, she was, she came, came around kind of to the side of me and she, she lifted my upper body up and kind of folded me up over my knees. Um, and, and just, and just like, you know, basically was sort of encouraging me to, to keep it, not, not calm down, but keep it up, get it out, get it out. And, and, um, and it was so god it was so ragged and so rugged and um and i and you know um i i i, I said I don't even know how to just. I, I wrote it in the blog, and now I, I feel like I'm repeating. She took, she
0: took your hand.
1: Yeah, she. I, I said. Um, I said my baby. I was saying my baby, my baby, which which was they were not words that I had previously thought that I had any right to, even you know. But that's what was coming out, and and she um, she was crying, and she took my hand. She asked me um, if I had if I. She said, "Were you at home when it happened? Did, did you see it? Did they let you see it?" and i said no and she said how how old was it and i told her and she took her um finger and she drew in my hand the size and shape of what my baby would have been and and she said this is your baby this is your baby this is how big your baby was and and um and put put my baby in my hand and no one had ever let me Hold my baby before. And, um, and I, 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 it is, it is such a tiny thing that she did, but it was the most powerful thing that has happened in any of this stuff. And, um, and so I calmed down finally and, and, um, and they started this procedure and, uh, and that what they do is so that you lie on the floor and there's a woman on either side of you and they pick up the two ends of the shawl, they pass it to one another. So it kind of forms a knot kind of, and they pull as tight as they can. And they start with your head, they do your head and then your shoulders and then your torso and then your, you know, all the way down. They spend a lot of time on your pelvis, um, and down to your feet and then back up again and the whole thing is silent and um and it and it i, f- I remember feeling like um like all of the all of the um all of the the, the s- strength that i had been using to keep my my bones and my body together I didn't have to because they were doing it for me you know like I can let go and 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 if and I remember feeling like um like all my babies were in my body you know and all my babies were I could let them go because because for the first time they were allowed to be real they were allowed to matter and be real and have existed you know instead of something that didn't happen they were things that did happen and um and uh and i don't even know how long it went on they go they do it twice head to toe and then back up again um and then and then it was over And
0: And this all happened at Burning Man.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I forgot about how I was naked except for a pair of fur chaps.
0: (laughs) And this was on one of those really tall bicycles because you are from Portland. (laughs) Exactly.
1: (laughs) Yeah, actually, um, and I was just cracking myself up briefly in my head because I was, before I came over here, um, I had just, just bought this beautiful new, Eyeliner, and I was like, I really want, I haven't worn it yet. And I really want to wear my you eyeliner. Worst, I was like, this is, I didn't wear it. This is, okay. not, it is not, it's like thick black, kind of sassy, you know, and I was just, I wanted to wear it because I just bought it. And I was like, you fucking idiot. There's no way you're going to wear it. <laughs> it's a really, it's the worst idea you ever had. so
0: that, that, that is one of the most powerful <sighs> images. I've heard in the in the three years of doing this podcast, I hear a lot of heavy shit, um, and it's so nice when I hear something that is heavy but beautiful at the same time. And that is, I mean, I, I don't think two human beings can connect any more deeply than you oh did God. with that with that woman.
1: I, I, honestly, I, it was so. I, I yeah.
0: I hate when people call another person an angel, but she's a fucking angel. She kind
1: of is a total. She's a little. She's a little Earth Mother angel person. Yeah. 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 Um, and she was. She was so. Um. I think th- I think the fact that she cried with me for me, f- you know, like she hurt with me.
0: She went she uh, she went into the pain, drawn this the size of your baby in mm-hmm. the palm of your hand. Mm-hmm. That's like, oh no, we're going to face this fucking monster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to run from it. We're not going to tell you you've outrun it. Mm-hmm. You're safe now. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, we're going to turn and look into the jaws of this beast, mm-hmm. but it's not going to kill you. Yeah.
1: And 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 that and and that the 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 gift of it was that um. was that it was allowed to be a life you know and that's weird for me you know like I'm I'm a I'm a pro-choice feminist and you know I terminated a pregnancy when I was 24 and I will go to the streets and die for women's right to do that but you, you, and it's weird like you it's uncomfortable to think like there's part of you that's like oh we can't think about it like a life you know you can't think about it like a baby because because of the sort of war that surrounds that um, but like
0: you can't have it both ways
1: yeah yeah um, and I don't know what how I feel about that or where I sit with it or where the comfort is there it's just weird it's weird you know
0: well I was a little worried when we were talking about that that you know I so want this podcast to be ultimately comforting and uplifting to people but as we were talking half hour ago i, I suddenly felt this little bit of oh no what about the women who've had abortions mm-hmm, that are mm-hmm. listening i so don't want them I'm to feel that shame you, i'm or glad pain. that you
1: brought that up and brought it in because i think um there it, it is one of the things that that is done to us from the outside that you you end up We end up feeling like it has to be one thing or another. Like you either, you know. I've known women who who got pregnant, didn't want the pregnancy, and miscarried two days before the abortion, and and were just as fucking devastated. You know, really, Uh, because because it's about um, I don't know. It's maybe it's well. I suppose there's going
0: to be sadness either way, right? right. Either way.
1: Well, and I think you know. Here here's what my experience was. I I I. The pregnancy that I terminated, I'd have never had an ounce or shred of regret, um, even e- in, even in the face of all the infertility. There's never been a moment where I was like, "Oh shit, I wish I hadn't gotten rid of that pregnancy because now look what's happened," or, you know, now maybe I can't or whatever. It never happened because the person who who <laughs> was on the other end of that chromosome pairing was someone that I don't want anything to do with, and never, you know, I would still be attached to that person. And that's a horrifying thought um and I never you know and i and I had a great experience i was um, uh really well taken care of there they you know the people were so kind and respectful and um uh, there was no shame in it, but even then you know your body knows that something happened you know something has fucking happened, and your body knows about it, and however you process it emotionally. Whether you know some people regret that they did it, some people don't regret that they did it, some people feel like it's somewhere in between, um, I think that that we we end up being very polarized around that issue but but I feel like if we like I feel like the full spectrum doula thing has it right let's just Sounds talk like let's it. just talk about like I don't care what your political opinion is about what you did or how you feel about what you did your body did something fucking important and you get to have support around it no matter what pain is pain yeah or or not pain you know like th- 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 something just happened in your body that is no. that is so profound and so amazing and 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 has so much has the potential for so much silence and shame around it because we're women and women's bodies are shrouded in silence and shame. And what happens, you know, you walk around in a female body and you're you're either a commodity or you're you're hunted or, you know, it it's it's a it's a it's a um, it's a hard body to be in. And. And uh, and and pregnancy is surrounded with with secrecy and shame. Because it's about vaginas and shit, and people were freaked out about vaginas, you know? <laughs> like, if you talk about, they used to say, like, on in, in, in a, in a delicate condition, or, you know, all these euphemisms yeah. that we've had about pregnancy, because we're not supposed to, t- because if a woman is pregnant, you have to make the assumption that she has had intercourse. And that is a terrifying thought <laughs> to the majority of society, for the majority of our history. Um So I feel like we get caught in that, you know, and, and I'm, I'm glad that you brought it up because, um, because I don't, I don't feel like wanting to have a baby and miscarrying a baby is in any way. Um, I don't, I don't feel like that experience internally, because I can only speak about myself. I don't feel like that experience negates or denies or shames or in any way invalidates the experience that I had when I was 24. Um,
0: Terminating a pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: I'm glad glad you said that. And the thought occurred to me, as you were talking about that, of the parallel between that and the soldier who returns and has trauma from the friend he feels he couldn't protect, and also the enemy, mm -hmm. quote-unquote enemy, that he had to kill Mm -hmm. to do his job, because that was the quote-unquote right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Forget about all the right. the politics of what is right and what is wrong. I'm just talking about Humanity, what is, yeah. what is. And we just ignore the fact that that guy is in pain. And he, in, in that same circumstance, a hundred times he would do the same thing again. But he's still
1: – right
0: did what he did and felt he had to Mm -hmm. felt he had to do it like the person who terminates a pregnancy. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't feel pain.
1: Right. Some shit happened. Some life and death shit happened. Let's
0: set up some fucking shit so people can (laughs) deal with this when it's done with.
1: Right. And when life and death happen simultaneously in your own body, like there's no there's no wrapping your head around that. And we don't do anything to try
0: we don't death is is so and i worry on this podcast sometimes oh this is getting too heavy we're talking about this too much i don't want people to be sad you know it's an epidemic avoiding sadness is a fucking epidemic (laughs) in our society really the way that we will bury shit because Mm -hmm. of whatever and we're not even the worst societies as Mm -mm. far as that you know Mm -mm. i'm I'm told the english are it's it's (laughs) it's uh it's like uh you know, in their bones to uh-huh. not to not express anything that yeah. isn't polite and, you know, that isn't elevator chat. <laughs> Except at soccer games Except and then all butts. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why soccer games are so I think
1: that that's true. So I think intense. For the same reason that, you know, in America grown men are allowed to cry at football games but nowhere yeah. else.
0: Yeah. And I think if you if you look at the societies that are the most aggressive they're probably the ones that avoid sadness mm-hmm. the most mm-hmm. the ones that don't that don't have um some type of structure for dealing with sadness
1: yeah. i don't know if that's true or not but it's a good, it's a good it just hypothesis. i don't know it just popped into my head she and i was like right out of your butt I love
0: yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what if, if there's uh, a a woman out there uh, or a man because i imagine there are many men who uh when their partner miscarries, who, if they're super empathetic, mm-hmm. um, need help too mm-hmm. afterwards. What, what do you suggest for them? Google. Uh, what do, what, do, what yeah. do you Google? Uh, well, I, I,
1: full spectrum doula is a good place to start. How do you spell doula? Um, D O U L A. Okay. Um, and and Samantha Zipporah Um, is how do you fin- spell her last name? Z I P P O r a h and she's in portland but she's very just like bernadette like doing this because it's what she needs to do and it's the right thing to do and it's important work so i'm sure if she you know contact her and she'd be happy to um to give more information um but um yeah i mean i think um talk about it yeah don't 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 be silent don't be silent
0: and maybe seek out the friends of yours that feel good to be around that mm-hmm. feel safe mm-hmm. that um I don't know, I'm just yeah, Does that makes sense,
1: yeah, absolutely, I think in every in all of our lives, we have some people who are really good at this shit, and some people who are not so good at yeah. this shit, <laughs> and that's just you know luck of the draw, um but uh, but yeah, no, I think be around people, talk about it, um. Or just suck it up. Or, ju- or just, or just suck it just up. Just
0: be a fucking the fuck up. Yeah, you know, be a fucking woman. <laughs> Strap those tits down in March.
1: Um. Yeah. Maybe. Or. Or. Not. Um. Yeah. You know. I like how
0: you said in your blog it was, it, you womaned up. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. womaned up and you did this. You know.
1: Yeah. Um. But yeah. I think. Uh, I think if we if we start talking about it i mean i I can't tell you how many women have come out of the woodwork, people that I have known for years and had no idea that they had been through this, elderly relatives you know saying, I never told anybody but I miscarried, you know like um there there's there's absolutely nothing to be lost by talking about it and and you're and it's a radical act of protest and rejection of the patriarchy bullshit to, to talk about it. Talk about it. It happened. Talk about it.
0: Anything else you want to add?
1: Um, to that? No. Thank you.
0: Anything else in your story you want to share?
1: Um, In my story? I don't know where my story goes now. We've got our munchkin at home. Um, How's she doing? She's good. I can't. Give too much information about her because she's a I foster totally kiddo. Um, but she, um, she is. You know, we, we've. She's foster parenting means that she's not going to be with us forever. Um, but she's awesome. She's brilliant. She's way, way, way smarter than any of the adults put together, <laughs> which is kind of unfortunate a lot of the time. Um, but she's great. Um, I don't know if we're going to do this again and the fostering again, or if we're going to move towards adoption or not. I mean, um, I'm really excited about what's happening in my life because of talking about this. Um, so I, whatever the next part of the story is going to be, I feel like there's a lot of doors opening because I have chosen to not be ashamed
0: I'm so glad that you made that that choice, because I think a lot of people, people who haven't even been touched by this issue, um, I think they're going to be more informed, both Mm -hmm. intellectually and emotionally from from having heard your story. I know. I know. I have. I know. um, That's one of the great things about getting to do this podcast Mm -hmm. is people let you into their souls Mm -hmm. and you get to root around and Mm -hmm. go, oh,
1: isn't that awesome? That's why I'm a therapist.
0: It's it's a what privilege. It's such it's a privilege. It's a fucking privilege. It can be heavy at times, but um you know, I think if we uh recharge our button when I say we, I don't mean like I'm a therapist, but we listen to people share sure, stuff absolutely. that's painful. Those of um, us who
1: make time in our lives to sit in pain with people.
0: Yeah. But in many ways it's super energizing.
1: Mm-hmm. You gotta take good care of yourself though. Yeah. Do you take good care of yourself? I do.
0: I've started um uh getting a support network of uh, therapists that that help me. They're helping me with some of the guest blogs that we post because sometimes people will send stuff that's yeah. it's just too... I, I'll just be reading too many emails mm-hmm. and people submitting stuff to post on the website and mm-hmm. I just kind of get burnt out. Yeah. And so I reached out to um, Susan Hagen and um, it was a therapist that, that we've had uh, as a guest on the show and she's great. And she found... A couple of people to help me with the guest blogs, and sometimes i 'll forward emails to her mm-hmm. when i'll be like this i don't I don't feel qualified to mm-hmm. comment on this or i'm um, i'm at my wits end this yeah. week i can 't handle any more dark mm-hmm. dark stuff, and uh yeah,
1: that shit can be it's like um it, it, it's like uh you got like air filters that get that they get clogged clogged yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: but i've gotten really in tune with my body in the last two and a half years and that has been probably the greatest tool that mm-hmm. i have mm-hmm. because i use when you tell yourself you're wrong mm-hmm. you ignore your body mm-hmm. and your body is your greatest messenger mm-hmm. of what's what's going on
1: Absolutely, freaking amen mm-hmm. to that
0: so that that has has helped and people want to give you love people want to support you yeah. let them yeah let them
1: <laughs> yeah, it's really you know, hard. It's really that's... hard to remember that, especially if you are in the helping profession. It, that's yeah. hard.
0: Who helps you? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's really it's it's um it's a, it's a it's a it's a like one of those like oh you know like I could have had a V eight like hit yourself in the head like oh you're such an idiot you're supposed to let people help you too <laughs> Like don't you know that? <laughs>
0: do you want to do some fears and uh, sure. and loves? Sure. Okay.
1: I have them right here. Um, which one should I do first? Let's do fears. Let's do fears.
0: And I'll just try to improvise a, a few. Okay.
1: Um, I fear that the empty place where a child shall, should go will eat me alive and rob me of my ability to be grateful w- for what's in front of
0: me. Wow. Heavy right out of the gate. <laughs> she comes out swinging. <laughs> um, I'm afraid that I'm a hypocrite. Because I have moments in my life outside of the podcast where I'm not focused and present and empathetic. And that oh. makes me a, a, a phony.
1: Oh, man. I have that, too. Do you? I do. Actually, I was kind of talking about that with a client the other day about, like, you know, I'm really good at listening right here, right now. And when I leave this office, I stick my head up my ass and I can't hear anybody. Yeah. yeah I got that one, too. Um I fear that it is in, that it is my own inherent unworthiness that prevents a child from growing in my body.
0: I am afraid that this energy lull I've been having lately is just some serious health issue um, that if I had gone to the doctor earlier, I could have – that it's going to be fatal mm-hmm. and – And I know this is my crazy brain talking. No, it sounds Um, familiar. And if I had gone to the doctor in the last two weeks, it would have just been a simple thing. But because Mm -hmm. I've waited so long.
1: Like there's a cutoff date. Like Like there's a cutoff date. If you had called the bill company before this date, they would have helped you settle the bill. But now that that's passed, then you're fucked.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Okay. I got that. Um. Um, I fear that someone will be mad at me for something I've said in this podcast. (laughs) Welcome to
0: the club. (laughs) Welcome to the club.
1: I feel like I did okay. I managed to not say anything like super terrible about anybody.
0: Um, I'm afraid that I'm kidding myself about how addicted I am to my video game.
1: Hmm. You know what? I've had some thoughts about you in the last couple of weeks because I've been listening to you talk about that. And, and I, I uh, have had those I, thoughts for you. And I, and I have you. a card to give you.
0: To, <laughs> someone to call.
1: <laughs> no, and, I don't. I don't. Phoenix How
0: for you to go visit. <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, let's see. Um, I fear that I will never get back to Ireland.
0: I fear I will never go to Ireland. My my roots are my dad's side of the family. Oh yeah, is, yeah, they're his grandfather. What came here from?
1: What was the name? Do you know?
0: Uh, back then, their their last name. Oh, was it the
1: same? Yeah, same okay. name, Gil Martin. Okay, yeah. Nice. Um,
0: I think my brother went, and I think we're from uh, County Cork. Mm. I think. Could be wrong. Mm-hmm. I'll go, and I'll I just ask people. I'll just <laughs> go. My name is Paul Gilmar. Do you know where I'm from?
1: <laughs> Probably someone yeah. can tell you. They're good like that. Um, let's see.
0: Now, I, can I just give a high five to the listeners in the UK and uh, Canada and Australia? Um, they're so fucking supportive of this podcast. Oh,
1: really? That's awesome. When you look
0: at the numbers, the the number of nice emails and financial support they lend to the podcast versus their numbers mm-hmm. their ratio is, oh, is really? off the charts really yeah they're so we're
1: just assholes <laughs> <laughs> in this country as a whole yeah. really about everything um <laughs> i fear that i will fail at everything including this interview <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you you have not. It's been one of my favorite interviews. Oh,
1: awesome. Thank yeah, you. Yeah,
0: really, truly. Um, I think I'm done with fears. Let's go to loves.
1: Okay. All right. Oh, I just did a fear. You want to do a love?
0: Yeah. Okay. No, you. Uh, I love the feeling uh, after I uh, play hockey, like the, the feeling that I have right now in my body where... Um, the interview went well. I played hockey about two hours ago and I got that those kind of endorphins mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. feel relaxed and alert. Oh, I love and, that. And embracing of life. Mm. And I love that feeling where it feels like my, my body, my mind and my soul all are just like, you know how a cat is when it's mm-hmm. relaxed, but alert. Mm-hmm. It's that.
1: Oh, when you're I, like a cat. I love yeah, that. I feel cat
0: like right now. <laughs>
1: That's awesome. <Yeah. laughs> um, let's see. I love singing songs in Irish to my foster kiddo.
0: Oh, that's sweet. Um, well, speaking of uh, Ireland, I love when somebody does a um, modern version of a traditional uh, Irish song, like the Flogging Mollies mm-hmm. or the Pogues, mm-hmm. and or any any type of um, historic mm-hmm. music, mm-hmm. and they. Update it and make it relevant. I just love the genius in that. That's especially awesome. if they can make it kind of punkish. That's always well.
1: The Pugs were the they were the granddaddies of that, yeah. and everyone else is really just an in, 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 uh, what is the word impersonation. Yeah. Um, I love that I am allowed the profound privilege of sitting with people in their pain.
0: I love that. I think I just called them the flogging mollies, or did I say flogging Molly?
1: I don't if remember. If I said
0: the flogging mollies. Are you going to be really I, embarrassed? I need to go directly from here to get my AARP card.
1: <laughs> but you did uh, you did, you know, the Pogues are if you quote the Pogues it erases everything else because all okay. everybody else that came after is is you know,
0: a cheap imitation.
1: Thank you. That's the that word. That was the I was word you were for. looking for. Mm-hmm, yeah. I appreciate that.
0: Um, How good of a guest would Shane McGowan be? Is he even alive still?
1: Uh I think barely. I think barely. Um,
0: I don't know where he is, but I know it's not the dentist.
1: De- <laughs> There's probably a lot of vomit in his oh. immediate vicinity. Oh, uh, poor Shane, guy. you know, I, I've showed my—I have twin niece and nephew, um, and when they were a few, a few years younger, I showed them a picture of Shane McGowan, and they were like, "What happened to his face? <laughs> like, he's a star. Why? Like, yeah, it's Shane." Um, let's see. On that note, I love that my 13 year old niece and nephew are the smartest people I know and that they still want to hang out with me. Oh, that's cool. They're not like teenagers really
0: yet. I love having fun with my, uh, with my nephews. I feel guilty. I haven't seen them in over two years. Oh, bummer. Yeah. It's very complicated. It has nothing to do with them. Uh, It It never does.
1: Yeah. It never does. Kids are innocent, mostly. Um, Let's see. I love that when I take the risk of being open and vulnerable about miscarriage and infertility, people come out of the woodwork to break their own silence and isolation about loss.
0: That's awesome. I love that this podcast can be a ve- vehicle for uh, people connecting and mm-hmm. understanding each other more. Mm-hmm. I love that.
1: Awesome. Um uh i love that i even with all of the awful crap that happened i love that i have the memory of um standing at the foot of Granuel's castle in ireland um who was she's a personal historical hero of mine and i got to go to her castle what and what is her name granule grace o'malley that's her anglicized name. She was a pirate oh, okay. queen.
0: Okay, I always am always thinking about the transcriber that has to transcribe the episode.
1: <laughs> oh, sorry, okay. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's a tough one.
0: <laughs> um, let's see. I love when somebody comes out the other side of something that was difficult, and they not only feel lighter. But they can laugh about it, and they can see that even in the darkest of dark, there's still always that pinpoint of light where mm-hmm. there's beauty. Mm-hmm. And there's beauty in something. Or
1: at least something fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Which is beauty. <laughs> I use a lot of fucking hilarious in my practice. Um, uh, let's see. I love that my, my grief is beginning to mean something and have some purpose instead of just crippling me with rage and despair.
0: That's a great one. Is that it for your loves? You got one more.
1: Oh, I got plenty. But okay. How about this one? <laughs> I love the weirdly farty ambient salami smell that surrounds my weird-looking dog.
0: <laughs> Let's go on on that one.
1: <laughs> thank you,
0: Gillian. Thank you so much. Thanks. Many, many thanks to uh, to Gillian and. Um, I've got some, some, uh, some more emails for uh, you. And, and by the way, I'm going to put that link up to, uh, to her blog on the website. And I'm also going to put the link up to that YouTube video that I told you about that I put together um, about the thoughts and feelings of people who um, are survivors of uh, sexual trauma. Um Before I get to the surveys, want to remind you, there's a couple of different ways to support the show. If you feel so inclined, you can go to our website, mentalpod.com, and make a one-time PayPal donation, or my favorite, uh, becoming a monthly donor for as little as five bucks a month. It's super easy to do, and um, it means the world to me, and it's the financial foundation that helps keep the podcast uh, going. You can also... um shop through our Amazon portal. Uh, There's a link on our homepage, right-hand side, about halfway down. Not to be confused with the search box for the website itself, uh, our website. Um, And uh, if you do buy something at Amazon through that, they give us a couple of nickels. And uh, it adds up, uh, especially around this time of year. So if you would consider doing your Amazon Christmas shopping through our search portal, um, that would definitely help support the show. And, uh, you can support us non-financially by going to iTunes, giving us a good rating or writing something nice about us or both. And, uh, also spreading the word through social media. That really, really helps. So, uh, any of those things would be greatly appreciated. I think my, my, uh, microphone is distorting. It sounds like it's distorting. Anyway, um, what else did I want to say? I think that's it. Let's, uh, let's get to some surveys. This is, uh, or actually, um, this one is an email, and this comes from Mindy, and she writes, um, "I'm a 35-year-old quote recovered eating disorder sufferer, and have been have been for about five years. I say recovered because I don't binge, purge, starve, or over-exercise anymore. I'm not recovered in the sense that I still hate my body more than anything." Since I've, quote, recovered, I've filled my anxiety with more OCD issues. Clutter kills me. I've made lists excessively, and my nerves get shot even quicker than ever. I feel so bad for my husband. We just had our first child 12 weeks ago, and I am even more anxious than ever. I hate the way I feel about myself, but I feel guilty about feeling this way, too. I want my daughter to be proud of her mom. I don't want her to see my insecurities and anxieties. I just don't see a light Uh, at the end of this tunnel. I haven't liked myself since I was 14 years old and just wonder if I ever will again. My husband husband wonders if I will ever truly be happy. I'm so grateful for God giving me my husband and daughter and for that I am happy. Until I can find happiness within myself, I just don't know if I will ever truly be happy. And I wrote her back and said, um, congrats on the baby. I can't imagine how stressful all of that must be on top of everything else. I'm going to be blunt. If you really do want the best for your kid, get help now. Don't wait. No parent will ever be able to hide their issues from their kids. A child doesn't have to see a parent engaged in their specific sickness to know something's wrong. Self-hatred, fear, and worry radiate off us. I knew by the time I was five years old that my dad was a deeply sad, insecure person with social anxiety. When he tried to kill himself 20 years later, it didn't surprise me in the least, even though he had never said anything out loud about being sad. Not dealing with our issues also sends a terrible message uh, to our kids that adults deal with things by ignoring them, that asking for help is weak. How you view yourself will be absorbed deeply by your child, especially since you're a mother-daughter. You can learn to love yourself. It just takes work. So ask yourself, is my child worth me going through the fear and discomfort of reaching out for help to deal with my self-hatred and anxiety? You may still not be binging or purging, but uh, but the root of that illness is still there. The most powerful form of love is when it's in action. If you do learn to be comfortable in your skin, your daughter has a way bigger chance to be comfortable in hers and even a positive role model for other girls. All of us leave a legacy whether we like it or not. Do you have the courage, strength, and humility to ask for help so you can leave a better legacy? I bet you do. You probably just haven't seen it done by a lot of people close to you, so you don't have an idea of how to go about it. I didn't either, but I knew I was going to die if I didn't. Plus, you deserve it. You deserve to love yourself and your body, Mindy. And your husband would probably love to have a wife who finds herself as sexy as he does. And your daughter deserves a healthy role model. You can do it. Uh, Go to helpguide.org, and they have a lot of resources there. Uh, Go check it out, and uh, I'm rooting for you. This is uh, a survey. Uh, This is an awfulsome moment, and uh, this is filled out by a woman who calls herself uh, Revenge of the Box Snatchers, and she writes, It was before bed, and I started to masturbate, one of the only things that will help stop my racing mind so I can fall asleep peacefully. And I was so in my head that night that I kept psychoanalyzing everything I was imagining to get me off. So much so that I wasn't able to reach orgasm. I stopped and was thinking about some of my sexual experiences, inappropriately promiscuous behavior of mine when I was going through puberty and judging myself for it. I recognized that my judgment of my past actions wasn't healthy and decided to embrace it and move on. I look at the TV, which was on in the background, and the cable company has sent a message to the screen time to restart your box i couldn't help but die laughing and yes xfinity i did restart the box this is a survey from a guy who calls himself asian tom and he is straight in his 20s raised in a slightly dysfunctional environment never been sexually abused but he has been emotionally abused he writes i'm a korean adoptee living in the midwest my parents are white and so was everyone else around me People would make comments or jokes about my ethnicity, and while I acted like it wasn't a big deal, a part of me died inside every time I heard one of those jokes. This started in middle school, where it was probably the worst. High school was pretty bad, too. But since entering university, I'm in a much more ethnically diverse setting, which was a huge relief. Um, Any positive experiences with your abusers? The people who usually harassed me were kids I went to school with, and when I wasn't being targeted by racial remarks, I did have some meaningful experiences with some of my peers. I think it made me realize that these people weren't saying these things to be mean. They were just ignorant of the emotional pain it put on me. So I can't say I hate any of the people who said something, but there are people I would definitely avoid coming in contact with again. Darkest Thoughts. Even after starting medication and talk therapy, there are some days where everything seems normal and for some reason I just think, I should kill myself. It's usually totally out of the blue and honestly, I've kind of gotten used to it, but who knows when that thought might come at a bad time. I feel like I don't fit in anywhere because I'm not white so I don't fit in with the white people, but I'm totally American so I don't fit in with the Koreans. As childish as it might be, I think about running away and cutting contact with everyone and starting fresh somewhere with a fake identity. I think about what a piece of shit I am for being depressed despite being raised in a very privileged environment. Well, you know what I say all the time is that there's material wealth and there's emotional wealth. And don't ever confuse the two. Uh, Darkest secrets. I've cut myself and was never caught. There were two points where I had a gun in my hand and just sat there staring at it for hours. I think I'm a love addict, and it's gotten me into bad situations in a bad relationship that I think I'm purposefully dragged out just because I didn't want to be alone. I'm a pathological liar and manipulate. Manip- Let's slow down, Paul, and manipulate people for my own good sexual fantasy is most powerful to you i'm really into incest despite not being sexually attracted to anyone in my immediate or extended family i dream about having some really hot second cousin or something and why do you got to go so far out the uh, out on the family tree stay near the trunk it's hotter (laughs) i did not just say that and ivy is sickened by me i don't know if you can hear her stomach gurgling in the background um Anyway, uh, I, I dream about having some really hot second cousin or something and fucking in the bathroom at a family picnic. Uh, I'm also into dom, sub, and whenever I have sexual fantasies, I'm always the dom. Sharing this makes me realize how fucked up my mind is. Your mind is not fucked up. It is not fucked up. Um, there's a difference between thinking uh, and a- acting on things. Uh, and nothing wrong with acting on a dom sub thing um what if anything would you like to say to someone that you haven't been able to uh i would want to tell my now deceased sister that i love her and i wish that i had been the one to die of cancer instead of her oh my god that is so heavy tom that is so heavy buddy oh my god What, if anything, do you wish for? I wish I wasn't so fucking lazy and mentally unstable. I wish you weren't so fucking hard on yourself. That's what I wish. And every person listening to this is wishing that same thing, Tom. Have you shared these things with others? I don't share these things. I'm too nervous about the reaction people would have when they heard about this stuff. I've always been a pretty self-sufficient person and have gotten into the habit of keeping my mouth shut, chin up, and smile on my face. Yeah. And I would say, how's that working out? Didn't work out too well for me. Um... How do you feel after writing these things down? I feel like shit for being a defective child and putting my parents through everything I have. I'm ashamed of all of these parts of me. You've got to open up to somebody, Tom. You've got to, you've got to get help because this is too much for any person to keep inside. Uh, anything you'd like to share with someone who shares your thoughts or experiences? I wish I could share their burden because that's something I wish I would have had. Thank you for sharing that, Tom. We're all sending you some love. This is from the Shame and Secrets Survey. This is filled out by a woman who calls herself a serious lady. She is uh, bisexual in her 30s, raised in a pretty dysfunctional environment. Uh, I would go one further and call it chaotic. Uh, she was the victim of sexual abuse and never reported it. Uh, my memories are hazy. I remember being fingered by an elderly man in a nursing home. Let that sink in for a second. Holy fuck. Uh, It was when her church visited. Uh, She writes, I was four or five and my mom yelled at me afterwards. Naturally. Why wouldn't you want to blame the kid uh, for sitting on his lap when he asked me to? I also remember my much older brother from a different mom pulling my pants off while my dad filmed it and everyone laughed. I was six or seven. He was about 20. Jesus Christ. My dad used to play the video at family gatherings and laugh. The brother is currently in jail for making and distributing child pornography. Uh, She's been emotionally abused. My dad used to beat me until the age of seven or so. He would make me take off all of my clothes first. I know this because I remember clearly the last time it happened. I got in trouble on a family vacation. I don't remember what I did wrong, but it was usually something impossibly small. I went into the bathroom, took off all my clothes, came out naked and said, okay, I'm ready for my spanking now. My dad started crying. When I got older, and by the way, I, I witnessed that one time in, uh, in Florida. Uh, it was probably like 1990. And I was hanging out at the pool and this guy had two daughters who or were about that age. And the next thing I know they are both completely naked and crying and apparently they're being punished for something and one was standing there and i got up and left and one was standing by the pool um and then one was inside the hotel in the stairwell naked crying and i didn't know what to do because i was like this is not my business but in hindsight I wish I would have just gone up to that guy and said, what the fuck are you doing? You know, or giving the girls a towel or something. But, um, that is sadistic. That is fucking sadistic. Um, especially cause that guy did it in public as well. I mean, anyway, um, when I, uh, my dad started crying. When I got older, he would just scream at me and threaten to hit me. When I was crying because a boy dumped me at 19, he screamed at me, telling me I was a doormat that eats crap. When I was 24 and called my mom on her birthday, I hadn't called early enough in the day and it made my mom sad. I'd left a message in the morning because they were at church. So he answered instead and screamed at me, telling me I was a piece of shit, a shitty daughter. And I remember being 30 and going home for Christmas. I was nervous about playing the piano at my grandma's nursing home, so he started screaming at me, calling me a piece of shit again. This time, I challenged him, saying I was an adult now, and he couldn't say these things to me anymore. He said, you're not half the adult I am, and everything I am that you hate, you are too. I haven't gone home since then. Good for you. High fucking five. Any positive experiences with your abusers? I've come to appreciate aspects of my dad's personality, and I feel I understand and forgive him, but I won't ever be able to truly think of him positively. I prefer a lot of distance and to think of him neutrally. I have no feelings towards the older brother except anger and shame. Uh, Darkest thoughts, I am jealous of friends who have healthy, successful relationships because I'm afraid I'll never be able to have one myself. And when I'm dating someone, I invariably feel intense, awful jealousy about their exes. I hate these girls for what I perceive to be true. They are worthy of love and I'm not darkest secrets. I am most ashamed of two things. When I was seven, I used to play doctor with a girl in my neighborhood, take our clothes off, touch private parts. And when I was 12, I smacked my younger brother on the back open-handed during a fight. He's forgiven me, but I haven't forgiven myself. Oh my God, you are so hard on yourself. You you have, You have. should read a book called Healing the Shame that Binds because you have... Done what they talk about. And what almost all of us who have experienced childhood sexual abuse do is we take on the shame of our abusers. And you have done just that. And your dad a fucking masterful job of saying the things he wanted to say to himself to you. And because you were a child, you believed them. Um, sexual fantasy is most powerful to you. Being held close and kissed and told, I am loved by someone who is on my side and would never want to hurt me. Sharing this makes me cry. What, if anything, would you like to say? You know what's beautiful about that is that there is a part of your soul that is still alive. You know, that that's, that's a good sign. And I think if you process all that stuff that happened to you as a kid, um, a lot of this those poisonous thoughts you have about yourself that were implanted in your brain will begin to leave. And hopefully relationships will become become easier. What, if anything, would you like to say to someone you haven't been able to? At this point, I've said everything I want to say to my mom and dad. What, if anything, do you wish for? I wish I could step outside of my isolation and sadness and have a normal, loving, healthy sexual relationship. I think a relationship, I think starting healthy, platonic relationships in support groups would be an awesome template for you to then bring to a romantic relationship. Um, have you shared these things with others? I have shared some of these things with my therapist, but not the ones I'm truly ashamed of because I was scared I'd seem like a monster. There is nothing about you, you know, that playing the doctor with somebody that was your age, there's completely innocuous and uh slapping your brother on the back. I think I chased my brother with a knife one time, it was a butter knife, but uh, and he had a handful of rolls, uh, to be fair uh anyway how do you feel after writing these things down I feel like the abuse I suffered is probably worse than I think it is and that I'm probably better than I think I am I think you're right about both of those things Uh, anything you'd like to share with someone who shares your thoughts or experiences please tell me about them because I feel completely alone oh my god you are so not alone you are so not alone that that is what all the feelings that you described and some of the stuff that you experienced um is so common so common this is uh, an awful moment filled out by a guy who calls himself social anxiety bus driver and uh, he writes when I finally moved uh, into my condo and lived there for some time I got into the routine of relaxing after work with a bath followed by a healthy salad and doing laundry on days off that sort of stuff etc um one night I got home mentally setting up my night as I walked into the bath and turned the faucet on to fill the tub with hot water. I timed it where it took 10 minutes to fill the tub and in that time I can make my salad and pour my wine and let it sit for a bit. I decided to cook a tv dinner. I'm sure you guys know where this is going. I decided to cook a tv dinner while I got time so I popped that into the oven for 10. The movie Hero with Jet Li played on the tv at which time I was getting really into it while halfway into making my salad. I finished the salad and started cleaning up when water from the tub was pouring out of the washroom. Um, I panicked and ran into the washroom to stop the water, but as I reached it, I slipped and smacked my head on the ground with hot water everywhere. I got up real fast to shut the tap off and went to unplug the tub Uh, But I forgot that it was boiling hot and then slipped a second time and hit my head. I got up, grabbed all the dry towels that I had set aside for after the bath, threw them on the bathroom floor. As the towels soaked the water up, I smelled my TV dinner burning. Oh, that's so fantastic. Let's just say after this relaxing evening, my multitasking efforts have improved. (laughs) I love a good, awfulsome moment. This is uh, an awful moment filled out by, actually emailed to me by Ashley, who has contributed to the website before. She wrote a really profound piece about um, being uh, an escort. Um, She starts this off, and just enjoy the first sentence of this awful moment. My pimp fled Alabama after I told him to leave, and he set my house on fire. He had a lead on a scheme his old boss was running somewhere in Texas, so that's where he went. After a very brief brief period of no contact, he called and apologized, and I forgave him. I was lost, with no job and no home, back living in my mom's spare room. I missed him, and I thought I needed him. I started escorting again and wired his part of the money to him, Western Union, every week. He did actually let me keep some this time, probably because he knew there was no way he he could control that being halfway across the country. Soon after we started communicating again, he began to try to sell me on the idea of coming to Texas. I was tempted, being miserable in my current circumstances, but I was scared, too. I couldn't really imagine driving so far away from everything I knew to a man I loved but also feared. Still, he wore me down eventually. He used sweetness and intimidation and neediness in rapid succession until I finally relented. I told my mom I was going to visit an old friend from summer camp for a while. I said i just needed to get away from all this mess and clear my head she seemed to buy it uh, but was the most worried i'd ever seen her to be when i drove away in my crv he was living in a depressing military town In a sad little apartment with another guy, he'd talked into leaving Alabama with him. Several other guys involved in the scam they had running were living in the same apartment complex, and their office was in another apartment that belonged to their boss. The apartment was mostly empty, with minimal furniture, no TV, and no food at all. In his bedroom, he had a mattress and a beat-up armchair. The day I arrived, I was sick with a cold or something. I felt feverish, had a stuffed-up nose, and a nasty-sounding cough. Larry seemed happy to see me. He showed me around the little town and introduced me to a few people. That night, as we lay sleeping on his smelly mattress and thrift store sheets, I apparently coughed and was awoken by his hand across my face mid-slap. He was angry that I was sick because that meant I couldn't work. He was angry that I was coughing because it may make him sick, meaning he would lose money as well. In that moment, I deeply regretted my choice to come, but I didn't really consider leaving as an option, so I just apologized and we went back to sleep. A couple of days after I got to Texas, it was suddenly Thanksgiving. I was a little sad to be missing my family gathering together at home, but after talking to my mom, I put it out of my mind and tried to focus on my new life such as it was. He showed the rarely seen warm and thoughtful side of his personality that day and decided that we should buy food and cook it for the other guys, his co-workers, as most of them were alone and far from home. We went to Walmart and bought all the typical Thanksgiving fare. Sweet potatoes, green beans, turkey, ham, rolls, pie. We took it back to his place and I struggled to put together a nice meal with an almost completely empty kitchen. I had to get creative, but somehow I managed. We took it all over to one of the other apartments one that had a little tiny TV and a game system. We all sat around, me and all these hard, street-wise dudes eating bites of a last-minute Walmart meal on paper plates between puffs of a celebra- celebratory blunt, squinting to watch each other play NBA 2K on a 10-inch screen. And for that moment, I was thankful. If that's not awfulsome, I don't know what is. And finally, this is a This is a happy moment uh, filled out by Kate, and it's uh, it's a sublime one, but I really like it. And she writes, realizing that I could say the things I was afraid to say to the guy I am seeing. And not only did anything bad not happen, I was respected more as a woman and a person for it. This is the first time I've felt I could be completely honest in a relationship, and it feels amazing. It feels like being seen, being heard, and not being destroyed it feels like peace thank you for that Kate and thank you guys for <clears throat> thank you for listening thank you for contributing with your emails and your surveys and um, all of the other stuff that you that you do and if you're out there and you're feeling stuck I hope you know uh, that you're not alone that there's there's help if you're willing to overcome that awful fear of saying I need help I can't do this by myself anymore and, just remember, you're not alone. Thanks so much for listening. Everybody I know is bizarrely beautifully Everybody fucked, up I know fucked up in some weird way. Is bizarrely beautifully Everybody fucked up in some weird ways.